You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner of the ring. Welcome to episode 8 of Not Another Leafs Podcast via the Hockey Podcast Network, bringing you hockey content weekly. I'm joined by my trusted co-host, Ken Stapon. Ken, great start to the World Juniors. Yeah, and a nice holiday. Just uh, had a couple days off, just kicked back, relaxed, uh, super quiet for me in Toronto. Obviously, didn't do the big extended family thing that we normally do since uh, everybody's in the lockdown. So it was just me and my partner and my dog and I got some new traditions cooking. And like you said, some excellent world junior hockey, which is one of the best things of this time of year where you can just kick back and watch some of the best in the world at their craft in uh, one of the most fun tournaments of the year. It's scary to think too, Kenny. I mean, you know, Canada didn't have the luxury of using number one overall pick Alexi Lafreniere, they're without Kirby Doc due to injury, but still so stacked. I mean, such a great group. Cousins, he had six points in that 16-2 route over the Germans. A couple of Newfoundland boys really making an impact. I mean, such a sound group and, and well-coached, of course. The the only uh, teams I feel bad for, of course, are the lower-tier teams like Austria and Germany, who, you know, it's they really don't stand much of a chance uh, considering they're going up uh, against a slew full of, of first-round draft picks. Do you think maybe there should be almost like a cap on the number of goals? Because it just gets ridiculous at, at points. Well, let's say, let's just say that this has been something that's always plagued this tournament, for lack of a better way to put it, Yeah. For forever. Is there's always going to be, you know, there's the top five teams. you got Canada, USA, Russia, Sweden, and Finland. Then you have those second-tier teams that sort of make it in every year. Uh, you have, like, the Czech Republic, you have Slovakia, and you have Switzerland. And then you have the rotating door at the bottom of teams that sort of are on the cusp always. And whether it's Latvia or Belarus or Germany or this year, Austria, they just aren't at the same level at, or even close to the eight teams that always make it in at the top of or the four, top four teams of each division. However, they end up shaking it out. It's unfortunate for the, those teams when they get matched up, like, for example, Germany. Um, shortened bench played the night before against a fresh team Canada. That's an unfortunate result for them. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of these teams are just happy to be there and be in the top division of the world double IHF world hockey federation. So I don't feel like overly bad, but 
it, it's a little difficult to watch when you see, you know, as you put before we got on air, when you see a team putting up two touchdowns and a two point conversion, right. whatever, whatever it is. And you look at the groups too. I mean, a pretty stark dichotomy between both groups. I mean, it's, and you look at the Czechs too, they're feisty. So group B, you got Russia, Czech Republic, Sweden, and US. So really the only lower tier doesn't stand a chance team is Austria. Group A, Canada and Finland. So Canada really doesn't face a true test until New Year's Eve because they got they already wiped the floor with Germany. They beat Slovakia and they got Switzerland Tuesday. They got a free ride until New Year's Eve. Yeah, and let's not forget that the Swiss always seem to play Canada very tight in these sorts of tournaments. It's not as if they're just going to walk in and just lay down because they're playing the Canadians. They're obviously the Canadians are the most talented team at this tournament if you look at it just by sheer draft picks i believe we've discussed this before on the pod it's like 19 first round draft picks on the canadian squad so there's no squad in the tournament that's really going to be able to live up to the hype or the expectations of this canada group Um, for the canadians you probably would prefer to have a couple of those other teams whether it be sweden or russia in your division so that you could get a little bit of the higher competition. Yes, it will be easier when they progress through to the next round, as you noted that Finland is really going to be the only real roadblock in the way for the Canadians, but it's difficult to make adjustments and sort of coach your side when you're just so much more talented than the other team that it doesn't matter if you play a good game or a bad game, you're probably just going to still come out ahead. Now, I don't think Slovakia is an easy out necessarily. They always play the Canadians tough and in the game, on Sunday, they really were able to just gut up the neutral zone, gum it up, play a defensive style of game. Did, didn't really get a lot of scoring opportunities, but they were able to keep it close deep into the third period before they gave up the 2 nothing goal, but then they get the one the one a little bit after that to make it 2-1. to one. They were sniffing around the whole game, and that was not they something were... I expected from the Slovaks against the Canadians. Slovakia was definitely sniffing around. I think Canada maybe should have bundled up the second half of their scoring outburst against Germany and, and laid it on against Slovakia because there was a little bit a little bit of time there where I was kind of biting my nails like, oh my God, what if they even things up here? And then you never know. Like Remember in the Sochi 2014 Olympics where Latvia was, I think it was a Latvian goaltender who was just causing Team Canada headaches. And I think Canada just edged out a, a win that year, but... Again, you'll have those like scary moments or scary upsets where it's like, wow, that just happened. But, you know, again, a win's a win and it's group stage. So it only looks good when, you know, I guess goals matter. Actually, I was talking about that with my dad. Do you think uh, goals for could, could play a factor? It generally doesn't. Um, usually the tiebreaker, I believe, but even before goals right. is, uh, is your head-to-head matchup. Yeah, like so, who won the group stage. Or... Yeah, so exactly. So if you have the same amount of points going in, they just look at who won the head-to-head matchup, and then whoever wins the head-to-head matchup is the one who gets the edge in the tiebreaker. So it's not right. something that really comes up uh, very often, like, from from yeah. my understanding at least. I and that's what everybody Might be points to. Resort. Yeah, that's what everybody yeah. points to is goal differential. Like for me, it doesn't have to do with the goal differential necessarily. It has to do with pride for yourself and for pride for who you're playing against. Absolutely. Because nobody wants nobody wants to for it to be playing against a team that's higher competition and then have them let their foot off the gas and just be dumping it in 
and then just waiting for you to break the puck out with no pressure in the neutral zone. That's an embarrassment for a hockey team. I've been in positions like that where we've been outclassed and it's just the worst where you almost just want them to run the clock. You're down, you know, eight to one, nine to one, and the team is just chipping the puck in and not even forechecking anymore. And you know that you still aren't going to be able to break the puck out through the neutral zone because they're just that much better, that much faster, that much more talented, that much more physical. This is what Canada is to a lot of these teams. And unfortunately, in a best on best tournament, you still have to try to to play like you don't want like you're still going to be getting odd man rushes. You're still going to be getting opportunities. I think that Canada did it right by stopping celebrating. After a certain point, I think it was after their fourth or fifth goal, really, then they sort of shut it down and were like, yeah, like, let's not rub it in. But at the same time, for Germany, you would want the other side, you wouldn't want the other side to let up because that's embarrassing for you as a hockey federation to be in a tournament where you're just like that outclassed that the other team doesn't even try anymore. I know on a previous pod, we were talking about how the spotlight wasn't so much focused on the goaltenders, but quite the story from Devin Levi who has three wins, including that pre-tournament tune-up game. I mean, this is a guy who wasn't invited to the virtual summer camp for Team Canada. I really think they found their starter now, even though going into the tournament, there wasn't so much spotlight on the Canada goaltenders. And he made a ridiculous save on third overall pick Tim Stutzla in the opener against Germany. And that was only one nothing Canada. So can't forget about that. No, he's looked really impressive and really come out of nowhere. Uh, plays in the Central Canada Hockey League for the Carlton Place Canadians. So not even necessarily in the first highest level of junior hockey in Canada, but he's really made an impression. I think he's looked so impressive. Ray Ferraro noted on the broadcast his calmness in the net. He always seems to be in the right position. There Very is a calm. lot of extra movement in his game. You know, they give up the goal. He gave up the goal late to Slovakia, but it was kind of through a screen and through a lethal shooter. And then he gives up the one goal against Germany, but it was off of a, a deflection off his own defenseman's stick. So I think he's been looked very impressive so far. Again, the test for him will come when they play the Finns. I believe you said it's on New Year's Eve, correct? Because yes. that's the um, most difficult competition that he's going to face, at least in the group stage, until they can uh, advance through to what they hope will be another trip to the gold medal game. And you talk about kind of easing up on the celebrations once you're up a certain number. I've been really pumping the tires of American center Trevor Zegers since last year's tournament, but there was a point where I thought was unnecessary when they were down 4-2, Zegers had a snipe, and then he stared down the Russian bench, which I think was a little much because you're not even tying the hockey game. You're down one, and then karma hits you. Russia scores the insurance goal 5-3. So this is probably, in, in, in sports, I would say junior hockey players are the most pompous players there are. And obviously they're young, they're passionate. You know, it's loose hockey. You're still developing your craft. You're still developing your skill. But you never want to do that. And it's just almost inevitably going to come back and bite you. And that, well, that could that could no, but that could prove to be to be a uh, an impactful loss later on. It could come back to bite them that five three loss to Russia. No, it could, so, and they still have some difficult games ahead, as you noted. Uh, Sweden still in that division, um, right? They did they already play the Czech Republic? No, I've, I'd have to I have to go and look at um, who the USA still has left to play. I believe they lost to Russia, and then they, they won did, their yeah. last and then they won their last game. I forget or against they Austria. Beat Austria 
11 nil yeah. or something. Yeah, so then it's they have the Czech Republic and Sweden who aren't going to be tough out or aren't going to be easy outs for either team really. Czech Republic Czech- just with a big win over Russia, two yeah, nothing. So two nil, wow. Yeah, so they can still play that tight checking game. Obviously, that's a big rivalry rivalry game for the Czech Republic playing their eastern nemesis, the Russians. I think that this is just something that we see every year at this tournament. The kids are young, they're emotional, they don't understand necessarily how to lock in their emotions like that. And to be honest, I don't mind it. Because I think at the NHL level, these guys are so geared towards being cookie cutters and they don't necessarily show the emotions, whether it's in the pregame presser, whether it's in the game when they score a big goal. And that always becomes this, oh, like they overstep their boundaries. Like you remember when Austin Matthews scored that goal against Chicago and they sort of gives the little like, where's where's the fans in Justified, Chicago? And then, and, then, and then Kane, but then Kane comes back and scores one and then he does it too. And like I think that sort of stuff is great for the game. Now, Zegra sort of got his lunch fed to him when the Russians came back or were able to score. But who's to say that the Russians weren't yapping the whole game on the bench at him like who knows what was said on the ice so we don't know the details and the intricacies of the relationship i would say though that toning it down a little bit would behoove them i mean we see every year like you remember kuznetsov like constantly just do going around doing his bird celebration in this tournament you remember last year when um <laughs> the sweden player threw his threw his medal over the bench or over the glass into the crowd because they were upset with the result like this is just kids being emotional. I don't think you can expect too much of them, but at the same time, they have to be cognizant of that, of the fact that they are supposed to be consummate professionals and they are all in the are on the world stage. And whatever they do will be carried with them moving forward, at least for the next couple of years, until they make bona fide names for themselves in the NHL and they ha- we have a new point of conduct to base our opinions off of them on. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This this Trevor Zegers guy is, is going to be a stud, but there's a time and place for that, and it would have been really fitting if if it was the equalizer there, because, you know, the job wasn't finished. You tie the game, you rightfully can stare down whatever, but karma, man, it's a scary thing. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I've been really impressed, like on the Canadian side, by Cousins and Tomasino in particular. Cousins, I believe, three goals, three assists in that opening game against Germany. So, and also stepping in to wear the C for half the time, at least, with um, Kirby Doc going out for the Canadians. I mean, the kid from Whitehorse has been unreal. He's proven to be a leader in this tournament. A really nice pick that I think the Buffalo Sabres are going to be extremely happy with as he continues to develop in this tournament. And another player, Philip Tomasino, uh, similar stat line to Cousins, three goals, three assists in the tournament so far, the Mississauga native. The Predators, again, look like they have a player who's going to be able to be influential in their franchise, if not necessarily this season. Definitely moving into the foreseeable future because he's just played unreal for the Canadians so far in this tournament they're going to look to rely on them to find their offense moving forward as they did against Germany so they can sort of steady the ship here against some of the rest of the competition left in their division yes and I think it just speaks to the depth that Team Canada possesses I mean star player goes down it's the next man up and a lot of those bottom six guys have really been able to to fill the void. I mean, look no further than the 3-1 win against Slovakia. I mean, new players getting on the point sheet and you know, they're they're making their their presence known. It's not just about the the high-flying draft picks. They want a chance. They want to you know, make an impact as best they can and they're and they're starting to to show it. And that's the thing when you're a team like Canada and as we outlined, it's just uh it seems like an or, unreal amount of first round draft picks on this team you have the depth 
and you aren't expected to fold to adversity like that when right. when you have a couple of players go down so next man up and let's not forget for the canadians it's not as if you're just replacing these guys like we were saying before with some random you know scrub who isn't ready to play at this level all the players on the canadian teams are generally the best players on their teams wherever they're playing in Canada or wherever they're playing, you know, in right. the U S they're the best players on their teams. So they're used to carrying that sort of a load. A lot of them wear the C's for their club. So they're ready to step in and step up to the task and represent their country at the highest level at this point. And it's a privilege to be honest, to play on this team and wear the team Canada crest for some of these players. They'll never get to wear it again, depending on how the, uh, I don't know what it's called. The Olympic Committee decides to conduct themselves because it IOC. seems like year and yeah, the IOC. It seems like year in year out they change their minds and they can't come to an agreement with the NHLPA over whether or not these players will be allowed to go and play in that tournament. So really, then you just have the weird tournament that they played like during the Stanley Cup Finals, which is like the World Championships or whatever that always right. have only you know half strength rosters for most of the. American, Canadian, and Russian teams because you just have to sort of pick a few players here and there who've already been knocked out of the playoffs. So anyway, so it's a very exciting opportunity for the kids and hopefully they're up to the task. And, you know, it's it's been nice to to see some Leafs prospects uh, engaged too. I mean, they haven't been involved that much. I know Rodion Amirov has, has a point or two, but again, six prospects combined between Finland and Russia. So definitely repping Leafs nation quite well. Nemela in particular, I think has looked the best of anyone from the tournament. Now he's not playing top line minutes for the Finns on the back end, but he seems to be one of those, the more offensive minded defensemen for Finland. He has a goal and three assists largely been generated by, from the point by Niemela. I think that he's looked really nice and you know, bringing that offensive style of game is something that the Maple Leafs, really emulates a defenseman who's able to push the push the play, sort of set up at the top. He can run the power play or run the second unit anyways, they, although they have a number of those guys right now. Um, Abramov, or Mikhail Abramov, I have, we haven't really seen much from him. He hasn't drawn into the lineup for the Russians since the scrimmage against Canada in the first game. Amarov in particular, I think, has looked good. Um, I've been impressed by his play in the neutral zone, to be quite honest. He seems like he... Skates with confidence with the puck. He's fast. He's got good good to handles, good hands on him, so that he doesn't lose control very often. And gaining the offensive zone in particular has been very impressive for me. It looks like he carries the puck with confidence through the neutral zone, and that's something that could definitely be beneficial to the Maple Leafs roster down the road. So out of all of these lower-tier teams, you know, towards the end of the tournament, you're going to have relegation rounds. Denmark, Kazakhstan, they each got snipped over the last couple of years. Who do you think is going to get dropped next? Austria, Germany. Like, I mean, there's a couple teams that are on the verge of, of not returning to this tournament. Yeah, well, it seems like, like we discussed before, the top eight are generally locked in. It's Sweden, Finland, uh, Canada, the United States, Russia. Then you have, at the second level, uh, Slovakia, Czech Republic. Then maybe there's like a three-level or third level that's Switzerland. It was usually better than the bottom two teams, but not as good as Czech Republic or Slovakia. can still give you a scare, though, by playing a tight-checking, responsible game. And if they have a good goaltender, which they've had in the past, uh, it seems like the bottom two, though, it's just a rotating door. Like Germany and Austria, like probably 
not, I don't know exactly how they shake it out. Like if they get relegated based off their finishing in this tournament or if it's um, when you look forward, but it seems like Kazakhstan is in sometimes Belarus is in sometimes uh, Latvia makes it in sometimes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, there's always a shuffling of the deck for those bottom two teams. Right. I think it would probably be the, the, the worst team in group A and the worst team in group B. They play to effectively stay alive in this tournament and the loser does not come back. Yeah, so that'd be a coin flip then between Austria and Germany, really. I would uh, tend to give Germany the edge just because I think they've got a little bit more superstar power. And Tim Stutzla, I think that he's a difference maker at the next level. So can definitely drive a line, but it's definitely between those two teams. I don't think there's any question that they're the weakest at the tournament and they have the uh, goal differential to show for it. You know, this tournament is so fascinating because people are locked in for 10 days and then it all just ends. But this year is is so unlike any other years is we're going to get we're going to finish up Jan 5th and then in a week we're going to get into the start of a reduced 56 game NHL season. So January and Feb man, it's going to be it's going to be a whirlwind and packed with sports no doubt. Yeah, and some teams already getting ready to report to camp for the NHL. We won't get too much into that as we're going to discuss more of the NHL business coming up in the next episode of Leafs Pod, which will be released, I believe, on Thursday, which is was that New Year's Eve, Thursday the 31st. Yeah, so we'll save the NHL chatter for for that podcast. But yeah, this tournament in general, I think, is it's just like a good, casual, fun watch. It's a good look at a number of prospects for the future. I think this year in particular. The fact that NHL camps and everything has been pushed back because normally you'd be into the teeth of the NHL season season by this point. So a number of players already would have been for would not have been allowed to go based off of being in the middle of their seasons with their club teams if they're playing in the NHL or some of them, for example, Kirby Doc would be playing with their pro teams in the NHL. So when you look at the ability of they're the best on best tournament this year, albeit people will say, well, it can't be best on best because Lafreniere wasn't there and Hughes wasn't there, but you're never going to truly have a best on best because there's going to be some players who opt out or some organizations that opt out of the best players going. But yeah, this is uh this is an exciting tournament this year. I think it's as close to that as we've gotten in the last foreseeable or the last recent past rather. And it's exciting. It will be exciting to see, who can come out on top because I got to feel that the Canadians have the edge in the one division, but the, on the other side, it's uh, completely up for grabs. This world juniors week in particular is almost the equivalent of your, of your NHL team making a deep run in March. And for team Canada too, like th- there is a lot of pressure because if you, if you medal, cool, you get bronze or silver, whatever we expect gold, right? Canadian Canadian fans expect gold. You're like a college running back. If you win it all. You, you look back two years ago when, when Canada even medal, suddenly that the world was falling apart. They, they lost in a shootout, I believe, and didn't even make it at the quarters. This was 2018-19. Well, I, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just so back and forth that, I mean, there was a stretch where Canada w- was winning five straight years from 2005 to 2009. And then there was, you know, certain tournaments in the 2010s where they just fell apart, didn't even medal. And then, of course, I believe it was 2015 and 18. And, of course, last year, they won gold. But it's either – I feel like it's gold for them or just medal. Like, we don't even or, – or not even a medal, you know? Yeah. Well, this year in particular, and I think they showed a graphic on TSN during one of the broadcasts yesterday. I'm not privy to which one. But basically showed the last 
eight winners of the tournament, and none of them have repeated as exactly. the champion the next year. In fact, I believe, I'm not even sure that any of them came back and meddled, which just shows you the parity in this tournament. And like oftentimes, the rosters are just completely shuffled based off the fact that you can only, I believe, play in two, for two tournaments in the World Juniors, and then you're, you lose eligibility after that. So you aren't able to continue to come back after that. So the roster shuffle is a real issue for some of these teams, since you often see the teams who come with less experienced rosters, a lot of first-year players, then do well better the second year because they understand what to expect, they understand what's coming in, and it makes it so difficult to repeat. This year in particular, I don't think that anything less than gold will be acceptable for this Canadian group. Just looking at the roster, it's head-to-toe much better than any other roster in the tournament. You could say the Americans have a good roster, but not as many first-round picks. You could say the Russians have a good roster, but again, not even close to as many first-round picks. And will both those teams be difficult teams to play? Yes. But I think the expectation of this group in particular is by far is that they are by far the most talented team in the tournament. And when you're the most talented team in the tournament and you play for Team Canada, gold is the expectation. Once they get to Finland on New Year's Eve, I'm sure it'll be a bit of a kick in the in the derriere. Yeah, that's and the it's that's gonna the wake game. them up a little bit. So that's that's, that's the that's game that circled game. there. Like Finland's looked really good. Finland's looked really good through the tournament. And that's for sure for certain the game that they have to circle. It's their best competition. It's gonna be their best measuring stick game out of this group. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they can look past you know, Switzerland or I don't know. I'm getting all jammed up now in the divisions of who they who they have to play rather. But it doesn't mean they can look past the, like the lesser tier teams in their division. It just means that that's the that Finland's the toughest out, and that's going to be the game that both both nations are looking at to gauge where they're at. Because ultimately, I think we can expect that both these teams are going to make the semifinals of their division, and there will be a rematch coming through in early January. Yes, and remember, Finland won gold in 2016 courtesy Kasperi Kapanen, former Leaf, now Pittsburgh Penguin, scored the golden... I don't even really like to call it the golden goal. I mean, it's it's a golden goal, but it's the not the golden IHF goal. World Juniors golden goal. Yes. No, yes. there's only one golden goal on Sidney Crosby, and that's uh, courtesy of Chris Cuthbert with the I believe on the call, call. they said golden goal for Kapanen's goal, which was a little much. Yeah, Nothing well, there's compared to the golden goal, Kenny. I, I, think, I think if you asked most Canadians... <laughs> who scored the golden goal? Casper I, uh, I, I, I would be I would be willing to bet that 100% of Canadians would suggest that Sidney Crosby and not Casper Cabinet. <laughs> I, 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 I would bet you a nickel. Yeah, in Cabinet's mind, mind. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, his goal against uh, against Washington, I believe, in double OT, and which was a game three or game four, was a more important goal for him than double OT. Yeah, then the goal against or whoever it was in the World Junior Championships. I can't remember that far back, but Brian Boyle, I reckon. Sweet, uh, backhand dish. That, that was, was probably nice. best, best pass he'll ever make in his career, man. Yeah, Boyle. Boyle's a sneaky guy. He's like been in the league forever. Like I've got a lot of time for him as a player. Just a uh, great presence in the locker room. He just seems to like, he, although he's been a little bit of a journeyman around. He's always just can be relied upon to play tough minutes. Like he's just no, a hard player to play against. Absolutely, he, he was he was a huge addition to the Leafs in 2017. They got a lot of pieces on on the bottom on the bottom six with Placanics and and Boyle. But you know we always like to chirp our a boy 
Mike Babcock or Bike Mapcock, as you say. Mike Mapcock. Mike Babcock. <laughs> yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking about just going back to his regular name. That's fair. Yeah. If you remember, though. Okay, yeah, because I got you got to throw respect on some guy's name. He's one of the best coaches in yeah. like that ever in the game, regardless of whether you like him or not. His resume speaks for itself. So, but you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be Mike Babcock from here on out. You know who we had on that line in Kapanen's double OT goal? It was Kapanen, Boyle, Martin, Connor Carrick, and some other scrub. I mean, yeah, that just shows are, you where he he does Lamarello special. All right, what do you think? Should we hang head to the bar? Let's head to the bar, bye. You got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car and crashed that piece of shit. Then stepped away. All right, as we said, stated before, we're going to stay out of NHL business mostly until the next episode, except for my library bar choice, which also ties in to our World Junior Conversations, and it's going to be Timmy Stutzla. Okay. Who, despite being 0 for 2 in the tournament, which I don't know why uh, why Ottawa thought this was a good time, or if they would want why they would want to bring somebody with a losing pedigree into their locker room, but he signs an ELC with the Ottawa Senators and congratulations to him. I think he's expected to make the team out of camp and contribute to that organization right out of the gate. Certainly with his contributions to the German lineup through this tournament, he looks like a line driver. looks like somebody who's ready to make a difference at the NHL level. So congratulations to Timmy Stutzla who can enjoy a couple pints while he's uh, in quarantine rather than at the bar. As soon as he's uh, on his way back from Edmonton Red Deer to Ottawa for the Senators training camp. Well, I believe that three-year entry-level contract was finalized after they got absolutely bounced by Canada. So I'm sure that kind of made up for it. It's like, okay, we got bounced, but I also have a, a nice three-year security uh, contract coming up. Before well, it's I just a, it's basically, Yeah, it's basically just a commitment as well of the organization that right. is likely going to be making the team out of camp. Because right? there's no need to sign you know, players that you draft right out of the gate to ELCs. It just takes up a contract on the team. If you're not expecting them to play or contribute in the next, in the first like two years or whatever, then you wouldn't necessarily sign them. You just let them sort of finish out playing in junior for a little while before you bring them in. But for Stutzla, and we've seen this particularly with offensive players who get taken high in the draft, the expectation and the skill set is there that they should be able to contribute right away to the big club. So. Congratulations to Timmy Superstar, as he's been called, the German national and Ottawa Senators draft pick who surely has a tremendous career ahead of him playing NHL hockey, albeit for one of our less favorite teams, the Ottawa Senators. So I'll stick with the German team, and I'm going to go with their head coach, Tobias Abstrider. And I'm sure he's just shaking his head, pulling hair out of his scalp, because there's some points in that 16-2 game where you look back, and you can't argue about it because you look at the scoreboard, and it's like, what else do we need to say? But there were points in that game where it's like, oh my god, if I could just have one more chance, or uh, you know, so I'm sure he's I'm sure he's at the Edmonton Library Bar equivalent, just kind of drowning his sorrows a little bit, because obviously Stutzla had that big chance, Levi had a big save, and then you know, there was that controversial Goal clock expiry before the puck crossed the line, but whatever, it's it's over. But I'm sure he's still kind of sour about it. 
Yeah, certainly Toby has a couple things to be sour about. Toby at the end. <laughs> I don't know, may I call him Toby? No, at yeah. the end, at the at the end of the day, though, like a tough out for the German team again. Yeah. Uh, we know it before. Played the day before, so they're tired. They have a depleted lineup because of COVID. Like it's just the perfect storm for the Canadians to take to advantage of a lesser opponent. Yeah, yeah. and the, and it the game played out as such. Uh, there are certainly some bounces that you wish would have gone your way if you were the German side, but like you said, it's difficult when you look at the final scoreboard and what was the final sixteen to two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you look at that, it's kind of like, well, like you would have needed more than one bounce, yeah, to, to go your way to make that a more respectable score. So they were just right. simply outclassed. Uh, Toby's going to be going back to the drawing board and trying to figure out how to draw up a neutral zone trap. So they could slow down some of these uh, better teams in the tournaments. But uh, for the Germans, uh, I think as well, important to realize that they're a young hockey nation who has produced some very top tier talents in Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Edmonton Oilers center, and now Timmy Stutzla. So a bright future for the German internationals playing at the highest level in the NHL. And, of course, we're recording this Monday, December 28th. Not a whole lot of marquee games today. You got Austria and Sweden and then Slovakia, Germany. I think Slovakia, Germany is... I don't think Bob McKenzie's going to want to cover that. Uh, according to James Duffy, the Bob father, as TSN calls him, will just select... them. And, and rightfully so, he just selects like the marquee games. But if it's like a, a lower-tier matchup, he's like, eh. I mean, it's hard to really boost up uh, especially a team that doesn't have like one stud like Stutzla. So, well, also when you look at have to cover like, those games, yeah, when you look at Bob's career as a whole, uh, he's gone into semi-retirement. Again, congratulations to Bob McKenzie after years and years of service for TSN. Basically, now he's retired just to do the World Junior tournaments, and I believe he may come back trade for center. the for the Trade Center and for the NHL draft. Are the other two shows that he might pop back in for or just uh, come out of his semi-retirement to do some radio hits. But yeah, it's like he doesn't have to cover any of these lower tier games at this point in his career. He can just yeah, play, cover the Canadians, cover the Americans, cover the big matchups with uh, a number of, yeah, with a number of prospects. And yeah, today's going to be a little bit of a lighter day. I'm not sure that uh, it might be a, a highlight day for me as A, I'm going to be at work and B, uh, I don't necessarily know if the interest is there for a. Uh... <laughs> Fair enough, buddy. I mean, we do, <laughs> have Slovakia, a, Germany. we do have a Monday nighter tonight featuring your Pats, who are eliminated. I'm very sorry about that. Against a uh, pretty bona fide Bills team. So that's going to be something. Yeah, the Pats, I think, will give the Bills a little bit more trouble than people expect just because Belichick always gives people trouble a little bit more trouble than they expect. But it's been a disastrous year for New England. You sort of saw that in the beginning when they had a number of their defensive studs decide that they were going to sit out due to the COVID pandemic. And then obviously the transition from at the quarterback position from Tom Brady hasn't necessarily gone as planned. Cam Newton has looked excellent at times, but he's also cost them more than one contest this year with bad turnovers at crucial points in the game. So definitely a uh, press the reset button for New England. I think the disappointing thing for them as well is that when you finish in the middle of the table, you don't sort of get to draft high enough to get one of those major, major impact players that you get in the top 10, but you kind of get stuck to the middle of the table. So 
it'll be up to the Patriots scouting departments to hopefully bring in some new talents that can uh, revamp this roster moving into the future. And likely they'll be looking for a, uh, a new stud at the QB position, perhaps in the first rounds that they can bring in to smooth over. Well, it's been a rough transition now in their first year after Tom Brady. And you could also say that Bill Belichick and TB12 are at the library bar for separate reasons, or they're there together, maybe planning a, no, they're not planning a reunion, but you know, I'm sure uh, they're I, don't think, in touch. I don't think there's any love lost between um, Bill, Billy and uh, Tommy. Also a weird couple of outcomes in the NBA yesterday. The yeah. The, got by the Knicks by 20, the Cavs beat the Sixers. The Mavs beat the Clippers by 51. Yeah, they were up by 50 points at the half. What it just shows how well just shows how dreadful the Clippers roster is without when if either Leonard or George decide not to play. Like when you put all your eggs in that basket, it's like that's fine, but you have to understand that you're also going to have a depleted bench, you're going to have a depleted rest of your starting five and you obviously have a depleted draft cabinet when you have to give up that sort of capital to bring in players such as Paul George. So you can't expect that any help is going to be coming that way. They just have to hope that the firing of Doc Rivers and the hiring of Ty Lue will be enough to stabilize the locker room, albeit uh, given the athletic reports that were coming around surrounding that team and the issues that they faced last season with the preferential treatment of playoff P and the claw. I'm not certain that uh, Ty Lue is going to make the difference that they need to stabilize the franchise. It seems like they just continue to they just continue to place in mediocrity and they'll be that's another team similar to the Maple Leafs who will be based off playoff success rather than regular season wins. I had a coworker too tweeted out the Clippers just want to be the Raptors so bad. And you know there's certain points where I'm like, yeah. I mean, they're trying to mesh together George and Leonard first year was a disaster they pick up Serge Ibaka they're trying to add some more pieces but my goodness Kenny if if a similar situation happens in, in 2021 an early playoff exit I mean yikes I know Kawhi's got that player option I believe after this year but you got to think there'd be some movement the NBA well, man. well Kawhi also very privy to his own situation first signed a yeah. short-term deal there uh, I believe they have they did sign Paul George to an extension, so at least he'll be there for the foreseeable future, which was smart for them, given what they had to uh, give up to bring him in. But yeah, Kawhi is going to have his his pick. And although the reports were before he went there that he wanted to go home and play in L.A., and I doubt that he would want to team up with King James on the Lakers rather than staying on his own team on the Clippers, uh, he's he has going to have the option to go wherever he wants again, if not was I th- what do you say it's like a two-year deal with a third-year player option is that yeah. what you said yeah. so he'll have the option after this season if he doesn't like the way things are panning up to up and leave and go somewhere else again so that's the magic of the nba offseason more player movement and part of the reason why the nhl might be smart to adopt a soft cap system similar to what the the nba does because it gives you the option to have the player movement and make it more exciting whereas Sometimes it's tough to get rid of contracts or you just get sort of stuck in the NHL and there can't be that many trades with a hard cap system. But we'll get into that on the next pod. Thank you for listening to episode eight of Not Another Leafs podcast. Ken, you got anything else for me today, my man? 
No, just heading to work uh, today, heading to work tomorrow, Wednesday off. So, again, nice short week. Uh, I'd like to thank all the listeners. Hope that everybody had a Merry Christmas and enjoyed a little bit of time off and continue to enjoy some excellent junior hockey and uh, kick back and relax as we look forward to 2021. I'm going to go get a massage. Ugh. Get sign off. <laughs> I'm going to work. You're going to get a massage. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs>